Hey everyone, I'm so excited that you've joined us as we continue in our series, The Art of Neighboring. And I wanna start off with a battle that's been going, going on in our family with every kid. I have four kids. Uh, so far, it's been pretty accurate with three of them. The fourth one's probably gonna hit it too. She's a baby, but when she hits the toddler phase, I guarantee you it'll be a fight. And here's what the fight is about. It's about the seatbelt. Because um, there comes a point where that toddler phase hits and they think, I can do this myself. And so they'll get into the car and you can just see how this all happens. They're going, no, 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 mom, dad, I've got this. And then there's two decisions that you have as a parent. One, you go, all right, let's let them be independent. And you sit in the car for 15 to 20 minutes <laughs> waiting for them to figure it out. And you keep asking, hey, how's it going? Almost got it is the common phrase. The second one, is we've got to go somewhere, I'm sorry, I'm gonna to have to do this. And so then it turns into anger from the kid. But either both sides, I've noticed they usually don't get the seatbelt and I have to come back there and it is that moment where they have to ask for help. They usually don't wanna say it, but their face says it because they're just like, help me, or it's this. And you have to strap this part in, so then you're fighting their arms the whole time. <laughs> and make it harder. Sometimes they're kicking, like, no, I still got this. But that moment is so interesting to me. Because they're not taught that. Just naturally starts to come out of them because they want to be independent. We all do. And as children, we see that. But then as adults, we still struggle with this too. That idea of asking for help I think here's what it does. Asking for help makes us feel weak. And we live in a culture that's all about being self-sufficient. It's all about being independent. So this kind of fights that mindset. And you know that moment, you feel it when you have to go like, I don't think I can figure this out myself, but I'm not going to ask for help, no way. But we also know this is the other side because we're kind of like, no, I've got to figure it out. But the other side of this, the truth, is going asking for help can create the breakthrough we want. Because I can see it. I've seen it in uh, marriages. I've seen it in addictions. I've seen it to where people finally ask for help, and then they start to have that breakthrough. They're like, man, our marriage got better. I was able to overcome that addiction. It's incredible what began to happen. But we live in that tension of will we ask for help or will we miss out on that breakthrough? And so I want us to sit in there, I want you to feel it. Because just like my kids feel it, we all do. And I'm gonna share two stories with you where two men asked Jesus for help. They had the courage, they finally did it. Because I think asking for help is important, but then also your response to it is also vital. Because I look at back at that story about my kids, I eventually want them to learn how to take care of their seatbelt. Because if not, man, 16 is going to be really hard. <laughs> All right? You want them to figure this out. But there is this journey you go on, how you respond to it, how you listen, but also even taking the first step of being willing to ask. So this first story is about a rich young man. And he's asking Jesus a pretty profound question. But I want you just to kind of picture this. This rich young man, it's implying that he already has, he's probably living a pretty good life. Has some good things going for him, but there is something that's still not quite there. 
And so this is found in Matthew. Take a look at this. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good things must I do to get eternal life? Jesus, notice this, every time someone asked him a question, he would always go, let me ask you a question. Um, Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Uh, Which ones, he inquired. And so Jesus answered like this, uh, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, this is where you can start to see, you can tell maybe he lived a pretty good life. All these I have kept. I mean, I was looking at this like, man, I don't, I don't know if I've done that perfectly, but this man said it. Said to Jesus, like, I've done those. I've kept those commandments. But there's still something in his heart, still something in his mind that's going, but I still feel like I'm missing something. And then you see the big question, the really the ask for help. What do I still lack? A moment where he's just sitting there going, but I feel like something's not quite right. It's not enough. And so Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus gives him this wisdom of like, hey, okay, you follow these commandments, you're doing this, you want this next level, you want to experience this next phase, the next growth. And he's like, here's what you need to do. You need to sacrifice your wealth. You need to lay that down and come follow me. Think about it. It's the opportunity of a lifetime to go sit under Jesus' teaching, to go sit there and be like, all right, I get to experience his miracles. I get to be a part of what he's going to do. And we all know that story, but even then it was starting to happen. That's why this guy's coming to him. He's like, you're different. You're awesome. And Jesus gives him the opportunity to follow him, but he says no. It doesn't even say it just walks away. Have you ever asked for help, got the answer, and you're like, no, nah. and walked out? Some of that is some of our biggest regrets, but we've had those moments. We asked for help, we walked away, and we look back at them, and it probably makes us sad because we, we realized we weren't willing to sacrifice something. So now I want to share the other story. So this is a man. His son has been dealing with a lot in his life. Uh, He even brings him kind of maybe a last-ditch effort kind of deal um, to where he's like, my son, and they even kind of call it, he's possessed, where he he would fall on the ground, and and there would be these moments where he couldn't even talk. Like, well, it was just bad. And he brought him to the disciples and was like, hey, can you heal him? Doesn't work. So then it kind of starts this argument. I'm just trying to picture being a dad. You're hoping this is it. And then it doesn't happen. How that would have felt. The turmoil that's in your heart right now. The disappointment. But then Jesus over here is all like, oh, there's some argument going on. Let me walk over and see what's happening. And then he speaks up, explains the situation. So look at this in Mark. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, 
but they could not. Put yourself there, thinking this is hopefully it. This is the miracle. I'm desperate. I need help. But it doesn't seem to be working. So then Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. He's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Once again, Jesus, you hear the question there. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Think, you say that statement. If it got, Jesus, if you can do this, that would, that would just be awesome. And Jesus was like, if I can. You may have thought, I just screwed it up. There it went. Had my chance. Messed it up. But then his response, because Jesus says this, his response is what's critical. Look at this next part. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I go back to the rich young man. Jesus says something that's pretty hard. And in this moment, Jesus says something like, if I can. And there are two responses. He did not say, okay, you're right, no, no, you can do this. He just said, help me. What if the rich young man would have said that? I don't know how to give away all my wealth. I don't know how I'm gonna do that. But can you help me? That response would have been a lot different than just walking away. The father here goes, help me overcome my unbelief. Faces it, leans into it. That's his response. And then you kind of see, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you come out of him and never enter him again. This different response to asking for help and hearing Jesus respond back to him, this different response led to Jesus doing a miracle. Hear me, the rich young man also had the same opportunity. Jesus wanted to do the same thing in his life. But he said, no. So to land these two stories, here's what I want us to see. To experience growth, we must learn to ask and receive that help. Because I believe God calls us to be able to reach out, be able to do this for the people around us. But we first need to experience it ourselves. Because how can we really know how to help someone else if we really haven't been helped first? Don't get me wrong, I think we could be good neighbors and, and, and help people and just be nice, but it's a whole different level to make an impact in someone's level in life. To make an impact and being able to lead them from where they're at to out of something. And that's what Jesus wanted to, everyone to experience, to take you from here to here. Not just be nice to you. Not just serve you when it's convenient for him. He went beyond that. And then you can see this father walks away with a story that, Everyone's like, tell me more about that. Probably changes his perspective on life. Changes everything. So thinking about this, here's what I would say. Asking for help. Let's go back to that. Asking for help requires courage. And when I say courage, here's what I want. You've got to be willing to face the person in the mirror. Got to be willing to go, you know what? I can't get it right. I don't have it all figured out. And be willing to own that humility. 
And that takes courage. That's not easy. Because a lot of us don't like to admit that. We like to think of ourselves as good people. But reality is, there's gonna be moments we're gonna have to have the courage to say, I'm not good right now. And I need help. That's the first step. But then the second one is when then we get that advice back and we start receiving help, it requires sacrifice. There's gonna be at some moment to where you're gonna go, if I'm gonna get over this addiction, if I'm going to heal my marriage, if I'm going to heal my family, if I'm even gonna get myself to a better place, I have to give this up. And the question becomes is, are you willing to give it up? Because that's where the help, being able to get that help really starts to meet kind of the rubber meets the road kind of deal. Are you willing to accept it? Are you willing to let it change you? And I go back to, you may be thinking, it's like, how does this connect with the art of neighboring? Because I think it all has to do with our ability to experience help, our ability to have these moments where God changes us, gives us the ability to be that good neighbor. Look at what Jesus taught when he gave us the two greatest commandments. Look at what it says. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And then the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. We always love to say love your neighbor. But as yourself is the critical piece. If you can't love yourself, then how are you gonna love your neighbor? And I would say being able to love yourself is being willing to be face reality and go, I'm not as good as I think I am. I need help. And so you've got to go through that journey. You've got to be able to navigate it because then when you go through that, then I think you're able to do this to the incredible level and your relationship with God has just gotten that much stronger because you're learning to be dependent on him more than you ever have. Brene Brown uh, is an author who is done so many books and has a lot of counseling pieces to this and she summed it up in this way that I think is so true. Uh, we divided the world into those who need help and those who offer help. The truth is we are both. And I think sometimes I've caught myself, I've experienced help and I'm like, okay, now I've got it, now I've got it, now I've got it, I don't need help anymore. No, no, no. We will always live in this tension of needing help but then giving help. And I think that's actually what helps us be good neighbors, is that we are working on ourselves so that we can see the things that God is doing maybe in other people's lives too. So I put it this way, experiencing help teaches us to be the good neighbors. Because like I said, God calls us to reach out. God calls us to love on people and love our neighbors. And that starts with us caring for ourselves. I even, I've heard it described this way. We are just one beggar showing another beggar where the food is. That's what life is about. Because we don't have it all figured out. We never have. But when we start to go, I have found something that's real. I have found something that matters. That is when it starts to become powerful. And then you can start looking at your neighbors and going, oh, you need it. And I can, I can help you with this. I've been there. I've been where you've, you've been at. And you can start to experience something that makes life feel real. That's why I think this is different than just being neighborly. It's bigger than that. Don't get me wrong. I think everybody in this world can just be nice to each other. We're talking about a bigger concept here to where God's going, I want you to go out and be my light and change the world, make an impact. And that starts with learning how to be a good neighbor to yourself 
and so you can be a good neighbor to others. Because here's the thing you gotta realize, being a good neighbor, here's what good neighbors do, they see the need. When the need is out there, when you're interacting with people, you can begin to go, ooh, there's something there. I take you back to a scripture that Jesus shared, and I think many of us have probably heard it. If you haven't, it's a great passage, but it's found in Matthew. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. The rest of this passage goes on to say, their response to this is like, I didn't even know that was you, Jesus. Had no clue. But what did they do? They saw a need. They saw it. They're like, I see this person naked. I see this person in prison. I see this person going through this. I see this person hungry. I see the basic need in their life. And I see it and I need to do something about it. Question to ask yourself is are you going through life, do you see people's needs? Are you just bypassing, hoping somebody else will take care of them? Hoping somebody else will step up? What if the reason God gave you the ability to see that is for you to do something about it? But you first gotta be able to see it because you've experienced it yourself. You've been desperate, you've been in those places. They may not be the exact same, but we know what those feelings are like. To feel like you're in prison, feel like you're naked, feel like you're hurting, hungry, all that. But then here's the next step. Good neighbors address the need. They don't just see it, they do something about it. First uh, John says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I look at this and this whole message, even being a parent, I go back to that seatbelt story. I want my kids to experience what it's like to have someone that loves them, that kind of good neighbor, to experience that power in that. I want everyone to be able to experience that. But I also know, and especially recently in my life, I've been going, but man, I've got to work on experiencing that first in me. Allowing myself to, to almost see the brokenness in me and experience God's love just overtake me so then I could give it away. It's the whole adage, you can't give something you don't have. You have to have that love. You have to know what it's like to have somebody be a good neighbor to you. I look at it as if, if we think neighboring is all about, hey, I get to help, I get to help, get to get help. That's not a relationship. It's gotta go both ways. That's why God even looks at humanity and goes, I want you to join in me with this. He doesn't need us, but he's like, I want you to experience this. I want you to be a part of this. I want you to see what you can become. But then as humanity, he created us a little bit differently to where we do need people. We are in desperate need of him and we are in desperate need of others to be in our lives. 
And so that's where we've got to be willing to help each other and be willing to ask for help. One of the areas that I've seen this uh, play out, especially during this pandemic that's been going on, um, people have reacted in two different ways. It's been fear, it's been crazy, like, oh, I don't know what to do, all those kind of things. But there's been certain individuals who have acted in a different way. And there's a certain story I, I serve of a lady who was in Florida and just her response to this, I thought was powerful in seeing someone really strive to be a good neighbor. So check this out. With unemployment at historic levels, there are so many families who need help. There's a South Florida woman who saw the need and decided to connect people who lost jobs with people willing to help. The idea blew up even around the world. In the midst of a pandemic, there is another one. When people think about the, the term pandemic, the way that we're using it today, of course, it invokes a lot of fear, but really there's so many positive things that can also go viral. For Shelly Degelski from Lighthouse Point, it's become a pandemic of love. Every little bit helps. We'll match you up with a specific person or family and you can feel like you are doing something to spread love and not fear. About four weeks ago, the meditation teacher posted this video to Instagram. With people losing their jobs in the midst of COVID-19, there was a need. So she started linking people who needed help with those who could help, like Debbie Block. One family uh, just asked for help for groceries. So we sent them an e-gift card from their local grocery store. Fast forward a month later, and Shelly is now at 25,000 matches between families. I really honestly just thought this would be a community thing for the South Florida community, for people that um, come to our meditation group on the beach on Sundays, and, uh, and that's it. And that would have been enough. But volunteers started creating micro-communities across the globe, even catching the attention of celebrities like Deborah Messing. Pandemicoflove.org is an organization that is connecting people who are in financial need right now, which you can just imagine there's an extraordinary number of people who are in need. Because for us, it, it was just the right thing to do. Um, as we see our own local restaurants and stores closing, we knew that many, if not all, their employees were losing their sole means of support for their children and their other family members. Deborah helped three families. Shelley says the average request is around $150, coming from a lot of people in hospitality and small business owners. The majority of people are really just asking to help uh, help fill their fridge with food. They're asking for essentials for their children. And help with COBRA payments after losing health insurance with their job. I feel like it's just an incredible story of someone taking an easy step, being like, I want to help match those who are hurting to those who can help. It's simple. But I also, I wanted to show something that was maybe outside of our community because I feel like even as a church, we have done so many incredible things during this time of showing people who Jesus is. There's helping with the COVID-19 and uh, helping with other partner organizations to do some incredible things. I've even seen some people who had grief in their own life now helping other people in the midst of their grief. There's so many incredible stories that start to come out of this that actually creates healing in your own life. And so that's why I think it's so important in this conversation of being a good neighbor, you also got to wrestle through with yourself a little bit on this. And so that's why I wanted these two questions um, 
at the end. This first one has to deal with you. Is are you asking and receiving help? Look at this internally and just ask yourself, am I good at this? And if not, how can I get better? Because if you get better at this, it means you will be a better neighbor, a better friend, a better husband, a better spouse, whatever you want to put in those groups. I guarantee you'll be better if you start working at this. And then the other question is, are you giving help? Don't allow God to fill you with the help that he's giving and not give it away. Because we need to. Because then we start to experience a whole nother level of seeing the impact that God's having not only in ourselves, but on others. I think if you're willing to take this journey, you'll be blown away by how God starts to use you. That's what I want. I know in my life I've seen it and I'm still working through it and it's an incredible journey God has me on and I want you to experience the same thing. So join me as we pray that we would be people who start to be the neighbors, the good neighbors that God calls us to be. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are and how you made us. I pray that you would guide us and lead us in this conversation. Help us to deal with ourselves if we're not doing well with asking for help and receiving help. But also God, for some of us, we may have just kept asking and kept asking, but we're not giving it. We're not giving it to the people around us. We don't, uh, aren't taking the steps to get to know the people in a way that is, is so important for our lives to have the impact that you want us to see. And so God, lead us. Show us how to love. Show us how to love ourselves. Show us how to love others. God, thank you for being willing to show that to us first. That when we needed help, when we cried out for help, you were there. Thank you for saving us and teaching us how to give that away. So God, we love you. We give you all of this. Amen.